1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In just in case you're unfamiliar with me, I host the Mo Kelly Show for about maybe two more shows. Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. And Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. I'm going to make a big announcement before the week is out. And you can find me on social media. You can follow me at Mr. Mo Kelly on Twitter. M-R-M-O-K-E-L-L-Y. The same with Instagram. My personal website is MrMoKelly.com. If you're curious, you want more information about me and, and what I do. But right now, I'm sitting in for John and Ken. And part of sitting in for may it be John and Ken or Gary and Shannon or even Bill Handel is usually during the holidays. And during the holidays, one of the best things about if you're working during the holidays is the lack of traffic. By and large, you don't have to deal with the amount of traffic that you would any other time. So if you are going to be working during the holidays, let it be in a place where you don't have to deal with as much traffic. That's the good news. But then I see the bad news. Rain is coming to Southern California for five days straight. In other words, through New Year's Eve. Boo through new year's eve in other words we need to possibly revisit our previous conversation regarding what we plan to do on new year's eve because i am a firm proponent of not being anywhere there's rain rain will kill an evening in a heartbeat can't stand it don't want to deal with it not only do i have to adjust what I plan to wear because of the rain. I'm going to adjust how far I'm willing to drive. I'm going to have to adjust my level of expectations of how much fun I'm going to have at a certain location because the rain negatively impacts all those factors.
2: I think this is why people on the East Coast laugh at us because we just had an 85-degree Christmas. Yes, sir. And reached out to uh, my co-parents' family in Philly, and they're saying it's 8 degrees. Eight. Oh, so they moved the decimal point. Yes, over. they just okay. moved it over. Yeah. And for them it's snowed in, it's iced in, it's just and that's just what they do. For us, it's like it's about to rain. I'm sure people on the east coast where just cars are frozen shut. Uh, or you, know, you like literally like you can't get into your yeah. car because the door's frozen over.
1: But you know what that's like living in Pennsylvania. Yes, sucked. That
0: is why <laughs> we came
2: back. That is why we came back. I would much rather have this five days of winter rain and just bask in it. We need it in California. We need the rain anyway. It's just interesting because it's like everyone I know is like, "Man, it's about to rain for five days." I'm like. Yeah, but it's not going to snow for five days.
1: And I said this last week. Eric, was I in for John and Ken last week when I was talking about how much I love Los Angeles and how much yes. I would rather be yes. here than anywhere else? And I w- and I was saying this before the bomb cyclone hit on the East Coast, but I was making the point that there's certain weather that we don't have to deal with here. If my worst weather complaint is it raining and it'd be 65 degrees out for the next five days, as opposed to being negative yeah. 10 wind chill factor like it is in Chicago, and it's snowing for the next five days. And not to be um uh, not to be funny, but I'm saying where people are losing their lives. I mean, it is it is a real issue every single winter, people die due to the inclement weather, not from earthquakes, you know, if you want to compare regional concerns. No, I mean, there's no better place than L.A. to live. And I know it has the issue with homelessness. I know it has these issues with crime. I know it has all sorts of issues with traffic. We were just alluding to that and how rain negatively impacts traffic. But on balance, top to bottom, and I've lived, I I wouldn't say lived. I went to college on the East Coast. But I have a, a fair understanding of what it's like to spend an extended amount of time. I worked in New York for about a month with the Grammys during the winter In the snow every single day. I kind of know what it's like. And to your point, Tawala, it sucks. It sucks.
2: We may have homelessness. We have some crime. But our weather is immaculate. On the East Coast, the only reason they don't have the same issue of homelessness that we have is because of the The snow and the weather. But what they have an increase of on the East Coast is crime.
1: Everywhere explain that for someone who's never lived in a cold climate for months on end what that does to so To people's psyche. There was actually a
2: news report while we were living in Erie because of how gray it is. And they were making the comparison and saying that because of the lack of sunshine and natural vitamin D, people were more depressed. People were were quitting or losing jobs more because performance was at an all time low. And around Christmas time, around the winter season, you would see a severe uptick in crime. Period. That is what we don't have here. Out here, you just know where not to go for the most part.
1: Like crime out, is, like crime is everywhere. Don't go outside. Yeah,
2: Crime is everywhere, and that's you're not going to escape that. Welcome to America. Ha <laughs> ha. There's no crime-free cities out here. But I would much rather be here where you can have 60, 70-degree weather, even in the rain,
1: versus being robbed in the snow. Let's go to the Pacific Northwest now, Mark Ronner. That's a place where it rains incessantly. Not as much as everybody believes, but yes, it well, does more rain than a here. lot. Yeah, absolutely. And it can get kind of cold there as well. Mm-hmm. And I know my my nephew is in town from Portland, Oregon. He goes to Lewis and Clark College. I know it snows up there and I know it snows in the state of Washington, but do the winters weigh on people in a negative way that it does on the East Coast?
3: Well, when it snows in Seattle, all of society shuts down because it's a very hilly city and they get more rain than snow. Uh, but in the eastern part of the state, uh, they're used to it and they, they kind of like it. I miss it. Really? Really? Yeah, I miss seasons. I mean, I like living here. I moved oh, here seasons. because oh, I wanted seasons. to live here.
1: You're one of them. Yeah, but, seasons uh, are so overrated. I like to see the leaves <laughs> change colors. I like to feel <laughs> the need to put on a coat.
3: No one <laughs> cares about seasons. No one just a
1: damn. You're,
3: I'm immune to your mockery. Do your worst. <laughs> the seasons are so Oh, I want
1: four seasons. No, I, I want to I feel it get cold in the fall.
3: I like 80 year round, please. This pear. sounds like nothing but sour grapes, you guys. Wait, wait, your words. who the
1: hell wants to live in seattle over la
3: well i moved here so it's a straw man you're attacking i i, <laughs> That's I
1: a rhetorical question <laughs> yes you you are the embodiment of our point
3: i like living here and i like uh, let me tell you when i first moved to seattle geez i don't know twenty twenty-five 25 years ago you didn't need a coat in the winter you uh because it was so mild and Weather's changing, so now it's it's a little bit uh, extreme uh, with the heat and in the with the cold as well. So everything's changing everywhere. When, the winter is getting more severe everywhere as well. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Okay, that so, I will
3: agree with, yeah, Mark. Absolutely. I've never experienced it being this cold in LA at night before. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was like forty degrees the other, day, and I was like, "What's happening oh, out here?" Come on, Th- that's cold, that ain't cold.
1: Night, that's cold, Mo. Forty degrees at night—that's cold. You could turn on the heat. You look. You don't know what cold is until it hurts your face to walk outside. You <laughs> don't know what the true. hawk is. You may know what the hawk yes, is.
2: I know what the hawk is. Okay. I know what the hawk is. And again, living in Erie, Pennsylvania, feeling that first winter and you go outside and it's like three below and there's actual snow up to your waist. That's horrible. Now that, you sorry, go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. It gets real old shoveling snow after like day one. Or slipping and sliding down black ice on your feet or in a car. All that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You can have that. Okay. Forty degrees is not cold. It's that's that's mild. It's unseasonably, you know, unpleasant for <laughs> California. That's
2: cold. I'm freezing.
1: Put on a, a long sleeve shirt then. Damn.
2: Oh, trust me.
3: I, I would probably have m- at least a hoodie and maybe even a- another jacket on over that. Oh, in 40 a degree weather.
1: He put a hoodie on. <laughs> it's the Johnny <laughs> Kim <Kidd> Show. <laughs> yes, I'm mocking you. KFI AM640, Mokelia for Johnny Kim. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Now to the KFI 24 hour newsroom and Mark Ronner. Four national parks across Northern California
3: and Southern Oregon are banding together to make one annual pass starting January 1st. The Lassen
1: Volcanic National Park. I remember thinking a few years ago. And probably you did, too. When they started loosening the restrictions on ADUs, the accessory dwelling units, I said, this might be a huge growth industry for our economy, especially here in California. And just in case you don't know, it used to be where you couldn't put like a second house on your property. You couldn't necessarily build a guest house, even though you had a detached garage or you had these Huge lots, and you had the 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 land to actually put it on, you know, California law, to make a long story short, prevented that and precluded against that. But now it's almost like they're encouraging you to do it. And I was thinking like, wow, if it keeps going in this direction, and I don't have the paperwork in front of me, but there are two new laws which are coming on the books January 1st regarding ADUs and making it even easier as far as relaxing restrictions as far as how high You're allowed to to actually build them or how wide the dimensions and so forth. And I noticed concurrently the ads I was getting, the sales which were happening over this particular holiday. They were actively selling, especially on Amazon. They They were selling tiny houses on Amazon. And before you ask, like, well, who can afford that? they're going for as little as $3,000. And when you think of $3,000, that's less than one month rent here in Los Angeles County. These tiny houses, I'm not saying that this is supposed to be some sort of uh, solution to homelessness, but it does make me wonder if I can buy a tiny house for my backyard. No, I'm not bawling like that. My house backyard is not that big. Walla you see my backyard it's not yeah. that big but if if they can sell retail tiny houses for $3000 it makes me wonder how is it that it costs so much more for houses for the homeless which are costing like a, more than 2 and 300,000 per unit yeah it makes sense to me and I was on Amazon. I was saying, like, man, I wish I had more space because I would get one in a heartbeat. And then, and I'm not talking about these, these veritable tool sheds. No, these are actually small houses, electricity, and all. They are functioning units where you can use as either like a, a, a room, or I should say, a, like a, a dwelling for in-laws, or, and I'm going to tell this story on oh, my nephew here. He's going to be mad at me. He doesn't even know I'm going to. Tell the story. I'll give him a chance, maybe on the mic a little later. Eric, you can see him, so watch his face. My nephew's getting ready to graduate from Lewis and Clark College in Portland. And I guess he's been thinking about what he's going to do as far as living arrangements after he graduates. Now, yesterday, I'm over at his mother's house, and and, uh, his mother is my sister. So we're talking, and she was saying, like, you know, Jonathan, that's his name. Jonathan came up to us and he was provided us with a, a a a proposal for where he's gonna live after college. And my sister and her husband, brother-in-law, they just redid their um garage. They have the detached garage and they remodeled it. it, is like the best man cave ever. Wow. And they redid the floors. It's, it's, it's almost like it's it's like an ADU it really is they put it in closets has a microwave it, it is laid it is fantastic so when does he move in you knew exactly where i was <laughs> yeah. going okay yeah. so jonathan jonathan is there a microphone near you yes sir okay put get on the mic jonathan i think i think um just like you said I don't have to pay rent if I don't have to pay rent right um, all right so it, it made sense to you it sense to me. <laughs> but what's in it for your parents oh, I it, yeah I forgot about that um <laughs> I think I think if I can just pay about a thousand dollars a month just for rent with what job well I, I gotta I gotta get that job first but once <laughs> I get that job then I'm able to pay rent I think I think it'll be good for me and them okay now if you went to them with the proposal to pay a thousand dollars a month a month For rent, they probably would hear that. Yeah, they would hear that because most, when I say kids, um, I'm not. I know you're a grown ass man. You're an adult, but I'm saying most kids when they return from college, they're not trying to think about paying their parents any type of rent. They're not trying to show that level of responsibility. If you went to that, went with that proposal to them, and they're probably listening right now. If you went with that proposal to them and said, "Hey, I got a plan. Maybe the first six months," Give me time to at least find an adequate job to pay for this rent. And then I would pay you $1,000 a month. And trust me, Eric, it would be worth it. It would be. Oh, yeah. mm, I'll bring you some Mm. pictures. Okay. It's got a a couch and a big screen. mm, Okay. When you're 21 years old, man. Okay. (laughs) If you went, Jonathan, with that proposal to your parents, I think they would hear that. I, I think they would actually accept it. If you, but but here's the lesson for young people. You can't negotiate and then fall short. If you say, hmm. okay, in six months, I'm going to start paying you $1,000 basically for this tiny house, which was the genus of this conversation, $1,000 a month to live in the quote-unquote garage, and it's not a garage anymore. The garage door doesn't even open. You're not even going to park cars in there because they just redid the floor. It has actual flooring in there. You have to make sure that you live up to your side of the bargain because part of that is teaching young people how to live in the real world. And if you don't have that rent by the third day of the month, well, they're looking to evict you. I'm a firm believer as far as raising kids. Tawala, tell me if you agree or disagree with this. I'm a firm believer that you give kids a bill as they grow up. Okay, you want to have a phone after a certain point? Then you're responsible for it because you may have money, but then you have to decide— It's not just your money and my money equals your money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just me pay for everything and you do nothing and you never develop a level of responsibility. I'm a firm believer in giving kids a bill or a level of responsibility. So they learn the value of not only money, but the value of poor decisions. Definitely a level
2: of responsibility. But like my kids are 12 and 16. So like my 12 year old, she's getting the responsibility my sixteen year old, he wants to get an actual job because he wants that. He has he has had some part time jobs here and there and, and he likes the idea of earning his own money and being able to do with it what he wants. Um and he is responsible enough to so if we say to him, Hey, you're gonna get this after school job and then you'll be able to take care of these things, yes. But there is also that need to make sure that kids are doing well in school. Absolutely. So that's so, you know, Jonathan, he has he has Past that, he's he's about to be out. He has done what every parent wants: you go to college, you you played ball, you 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 are successful. You're coming home strong. You if you have the ADU there, I, that's something that I don't think in America, at least we look at the, for some reason. Other in America, we look at hey, your kid or your family needs to be put out. Once they reach a certain age versus other countries where they don't have maybe the wealth or the space or the ability to where everyone generational you know yeah. within they'll build on and add on. And it's just something that we don't do here. And it's something that like if Jonathan is out working and adding to the income in the house, then everyone grows from that. I don't know why here in America we just say, like, no, don't, get out there. And then your kid is out there and maybe homeless or your kid is out 12. there doing whatever they can to survive. I don't know. T- just I don't t- know. T-
1: tell the truth. Jonathan wants a spot where he has a little more privacy. Let's, let's, let's just be real. Hey, but but as he why should. not? Yeah, why not? You
2: don't want him. Look, Then he's pay grown, for it, man. And, and, pay and, for he, it. As long as he said he would, why not? Because I, as a parent, you definitely don't want to hear your grown child
1: Bumping uglies. Next okay, door we good. <laughs> <lane. laughs> wait, and it would be literally next door because his bedroom is directly next See? to you. You don't want to hear all that. Go in the ADU. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Johnny Kidd Show, KFI AM640. Mo Kelly in for Johnny We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm a lifelong Angelino. And as I said before, as the song goes, I truly do love LA. But that doesn't mean I love everything about it. It's kind of like a, a family member. You love everyone in your family, hopefully, but it doesn't mean you love everything about every family member in your family. And L.A. as a city is probably difficult at best to understand if you're not from L.A. Trying to learn all the north-south streets and the east-west streets and the different neighborhoods that there seems like there's no rhyme or reason and understanding how the flow of traffic works in one direction in the morning and in another direction in the evening and trying to plan your whole day and by extension your whole life around that flow of traffic. I got to go from the South Bay to the Valley today. Let me pick and choose exactly when I want to leave and when I want to return so I can minimize my time on the freeway. These are the thoughts that we have in LA travel is at, the very foundation of how we live our lives. I am one who has never shied away from using public transit for a while. When I was working here at KFI, I said for a while, as in, in the past, I would take public transit to and from this studio every single day. But after a while, it wore me down because it was nasty. Uh, There were uh, transients On the trains, there were kids who were jumping on and jumping off. There wasn't enough of a law enforcement presence. It it was just unmonitored. And then I thought like, well, okay, I can't ride the trains during the summer because there's just too many people. There's just too much. um, It was just too much going on. It was just way too much. And I was then concerned about taking my backpack, which might have had my computer in it. Just like, no, I'm just not going to do it. And there was something else. It wasn't functional. It could not get me to all the places I needed to go most times. Now, you may not know this, but the subway here, the L.A. Metro, has been in service since 1990. 1990, we've got more than 30 years of the L.A. subway system not until 2024 or so will we have a subway which actually goes to the damn airport that makes no damn sense how are you really? going, how are you going to create a subway system and i think about this as someone who rode the subway everywhere in washington dc and if you've ever been to new york you can live in new york and dc for that matter and not have a uh, not have a car and in new york you can get everywhere because of the subway not in L.A. You have to both work and live near a subway stop, and for most people, that's just not a likelihood. And even if you did, it didn't mean that you wanted to put up with, you know, the, the riffraff on the subway, the elevator, uh, the trains, and everything. But Metro L.A., as it reads now, is well on its way to building the LAX Metro slash Transit Center Station. After eight months of construction, the estimated cost of this new transit hub is $900 million and will eventually, eventually, not even now, eventually link LAX to the metro train system. How is it that we can be the second largest city in this country, second largest media market, and not have a subway system which took us to the actual freaking airport? And I think that's part of the reason why um, Uber and Lyft have done so well because they filled in the gaps. Mm. It is easier for me to take an Uber to the airport than it would be to take a cab and definitely not public transportation. Because what's the point of taking uh, public transportation to get within seven blocks (laughs) of the airport and then have to take a shuttle from there? That just makes no sense for anyone. And they're finally doing it. Now, I do understand given where Lex is, some of it has to do with NIMBY. You know, you don't want in my backyard, if you know some of the surrounding neighborhoods around Lex, like Westchester and so forth, I'm quite sure NIMBY has something to do with it. But what's the point of having public transportation if you're not going to help out? I mean, this helps not only people in LA, but people who are visiting LA. We do have the Olympics in 2028. You know, we do have... These major sports franchises like the Rams, like the Chargers, like the Lakers and so forth, it is a tourist destination. And if you're not accommodating tourists, and how do you best accommodate tourists, make it easier to get to and from the airport. That's, that's, that's the first thing you can do. And to not have done that for more than 30 years, it just confounds me. It just really boggles my mind. Now, they're eventually going to get it done according to this, and it's supposed to be ready, I think, in 2024. Yeah, the transit center is not supposed to open until 2024. It so it's great for the future.
2: The number of people that live, like, say, in Rancho Cucamonga, who live in you know the Antelope Valley and all these surrounding desert areas that have to commute still to get to L.A., I'm just surprised that there aren't more trains that run from there to, say, downtown L.A.
1: Here's the thing, and this is where it gets real complicated. Hmm. California as a state has never focused on it. The rail system, which includes Amtrak and so forth, that's more federal in nature. Now, California is a state. Huh. We wanted to do the bullet train that BS trained in nowhere, which would have uh, saved any nobody any time and never even came to fruition when in actuality I think we should have gone the way of other major cities around the world as far as their not only their bullet trains but their mass transit plans where they make it for the benefit of the city if we had invested in that technology decades ago in the way that they have in Europe that the way they have in Asia, like in Japan, then we would have been there by now. But it's never been a priority here in America. Hmm. The, the fact that we're still using rail technology from the 19th century, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't changed any. It just doesn't make any sense. And if we want to if we wanted to actually deal with the issue of traffic and congestion, If we had put the money into it back in the 1990s in the way that that's when we started the L.A. Metro, where do you think we would have been today? What traffic might have looked like in a lesser degree today, but instead we never focused on it. We put money into freeways. We put money into toll lanes. We've put money into cars and making it more accessible for cars, widening lanes, diamond lanes, and so forth. But we've never put the money in, a, in an earnest way into mass transit. And part of that is building a subway, which didn't even take you to the airport. Who the frick think that's, that's a good idea? Who did? It's one of those things where if you're going to have a subway, if you're going to have mass transit, it's got to take you to the airport. At the minimum. Airport and downtown. Got to have those two things. We got the downtown, and it only took 32 years. Well, it'll take 34 when they're done. 34 years to get us to the airport. Well done, California. Well done. Yeah. It's the Johnny Ken Show, KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. McDonald's has an automated location where, for the most part, you don't have to deal with any real people. You pay your money to robots and you get your food. I think of it as a glorified vending machine with just hot food. Now, depending on when you were born, this could be settling or unsettling for you. I remember when I was a kid, and this is going to really date myself and also my family, but I remember when ATMs and also microwaves became a thing. In other words, people really started using it with great um, efficiency and frequency. And I remember, I think it was my dad who said to me, I don't know if I trust an ATM. I don't know if I trust a machine to give me the right amount of money. And to me, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, technology's cool. But now as I get older, it's like, I get that. If you've lived your life in a way in which you're accustomed to dealing with people or dealing with life a certain way, then you may be resistant to change. My father's mother was a person who did not believe in banks. And she literally put money underneath the mattress. Literally. Because she did not trust banks and I remember my mother I had to help her out with the whole idea of online banking the idea of of checking your account and making monetary transactions online she didn't necessarily believe in that and the whole idea of 128 bit encryption kind of resistant to that but that's where technology has led us and if you are my age or younger you've grown up with automation in just about every way the whole idea of needing a person to give you something or uh, facilitate a transaction is like no you don't i i I was talking about talking about my nephew my nephew has grown up in a world in which yeah you have a kiosk for this You have a a, a machine for that. You can go into a grocery store and do a self-checkout. You can go into a McDonald's even right now, and you really don't need someone. You can go up to the little self-help kiosk and key in your order, and then all of a sudden uh, the person will bring out your food five minutes later, and you really don't need to interact with anyone. And there's something else about this whole idea of an automated McDonald's, which is encouraging to some people and discouraging to others. And let's just say you don't know who I am. Let's say you don't know my history regarding the whole discussion of minimum wage and $15 an hour. I have been long of the position that the whole fight for a certain dollar amount for minimum wage was a fool's errand. If you're trying to fight for, quote unquote, $15 an hour and it takes you four and five years to get there, then you've just rendered moot the whole idea or the impact of supposed $15 an hour. And I also said, and I'm going to reiterate that, I also said that. You can't necessarily continue to fight for jobs which will no longer be there. If it takes you five years to get $15 an hour, don't you know in five years that job probably won't be there? If you're trying to fight for that wage or that job for the future generation, don't. It's not going to be there. If you think that you're fighting for $15 an hour and you actually need like 17 or 18 now, if you're going to fight for that, because you think the person working the register at McDonald's or in and out or whatever needs that, then I'm here to tell you those jobs are going away. And it's not you asking for $15 an hour, which is speeding up automation. No, those things aren't even connected. Businesses have been trying to get rid of employees and payroll taxes and benefits forever. That doesn't change. You asking for X or Y in terms of pay doesn't necessarily impact. They're not going to run quicker to automation because you're asking for $15 an hour. They've always tried to get rid of you as the employee. And this is just the latest evidence of that. Now you got to make a decision. Moving forward, are you going to continue to fight for, let's say, $16 or $17 an hour, or are you going to take stock of reality and understand that these jobs simply are not going to be there anymore? And the only reason we still have actual uh, cashiers at grocery stores is, I believe, because people want to feel as if they're dealing with humans. The only reason I think we still have um, customer service actual people, because sometimes I would say most times people don't want to just deal with an automated system. But the technology is there. They don't need them. Have you noticed whenever you get online and you have a, a problem Let's say, it's, I mean, with most companies, if you go to their website, you get a chat bot. You don't get a person, you get a chat bot. And they have the scripts that the chat bot will follow, and more times than not, they can help you with whatever you need. If they can't help you, then and only then they'll pass you on to an actual person. But there's not a need for all these people doing all these jobs in which they have to pay them all these months, weeks, and years. The automated McDonald's? I think it's less about that actual location and realizing this is where our economy is moving. Now, we've already had the automated um, cashless Amazon store. If you go to any airport, we're just talking about how the metro is just now trying to connect you to the airport. Go to any airport and you will find a cashless kiosk store, if you will, where you just wave your ATM card, walk through, take stuff off the shelf and walk out and then it'll just bill you. Hmm. Those are jobs which are not coming back ever. And you're not going to get more money for them. So the whole idea, to bring it full circle, the whole idea of an automated McDonald's says to me, yeah, of course. How long did it take for us to get here? It should have been here a long time ago. And I think it has more to do with getting people acclimated and accustomed to the idea. It's a glorified vending machine. What's the difference? You don't question when you put your $2 in the vending machine down the hall at your job for a Coke or a bottle of water. I know. Sometimes it doesn't work. You have to kick the crap out of it. I know. But the the, the thought process behind it is not any different. You go up to the automated McDonald's. You have a literal drive through You punch in your order or you can say your order to the robot, which is no different than any other place that you order. And you get your food. And hopefully they don't mess it up. Like a real McDonald's. Now, you are someone who worked in fast yeah. food. Yeah. You might have a different feeling about this.
2: No, I, I actually don't because even here in California, they debuted maybe, what, a year ago? It was Flippy, the robot uh, Look, robotic Burger flipper. Yeah. yeah. The food at McDonald's, this is no disrespect to McDonald's, but they're not fresh patties they're not out there getting fresh ground meat and grinding nope. up and patting it down and especially it. it's not like a corner burger stand these are burgers that are for the most part already prepared fish patties nuggets everything's pretty much already prepared a robot can easily go to the nugget dispenser drop six of them in the hot bin fry them up put them in the thing because I, I looked i was watching the tiktok video of how this all works You don't need a single person in there. If you have one of these jobs and you work at McDonald's and know how it works, what you need to be doing is going to the school of McDonald's to learn the technology behind it so you can be the person that comes in and services the machine. Not only that, there's
1: something else, and you understand this. I actually feel better about my food when there aren't people involved. Oh, because you don't want the special order. (laughs) I know that sometimes they make mistakes or they may handle it in a way which is more conducive to salmonella and E. coli and all that. And there are other times where they just want to mess with your food. I feel better knowing that there is less of that human interaction and element. That's just me. If not
2: for humans and handling of food, I wouldn't have gotten Shigella. Mm
1: -hmm. Till you get a bolt or a screw in your burger. (laughs) <laughs> well put it this way i know people are getting food poisoning somewhere every single day yes because that's true. because of the mishandling of food by humans oh every day yes every day you just don't hear about it now if this can be lessened on some level then i'm all for it no i'm mm, see toala one day will tell you the stories off air of his time in fast food and all the things which will make you rethink Oh, I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings. I got stories too, Mo. Oh, well, then you yeah. should be agreeing with me. <laughs> yes. It's the John Kin Show. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
3: At LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.